The Lord be with you. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. Good morning. Good morning. This second Sunday in Advent focuses our attention not only on our preparations for our Lord's birth, but also for the second coming of Christ as the judge at the last day. Our collet, found on page 92 of the prayer book for today, is an interesting one, and I'd like to spend some time discussing it with you. It actually is the favorite collet of Father Wesley and of myself, and uh, he leads off our Friday Bible study with it uh, as we uh, begin our Bible study. It was written by Archbishop Cranmer in the year 1549, a few years ago, for the first prayer book. And Archbishop Cranmer refers to the ancient practice of reading through the whole Bible in our public worship year by year. This was a concern about the medieval church, which he shared with many others in the Reformation, that the Bible was not being fully presented to the people, and thus the church attendees were not adequately acquainted with the contents and the teachings in the Bible. Father Tom, several years ago, recognized the need to hear all of the Bible in church, and he added the Old Testament reading, uh, which we have before the epistle and the gospel. Cranmer drew up a new lectionary. A lectionary is a reading list. And you know what a reading list is, right? It's also a lectionary. In which practically the whole of the Old Testament was to be read through at daily services. That's the services of Matins and Evensong once a year. And the New Testament was to be read three times. In addition, the Psalms were, were to be said or sung in full once a month. Cranmer was determined that the faith of English-speaking people should be broad-based on the whole of God's self-revelation in the Bible, for, quote, God has caused all scriptures, all scriptures to be written for our learning. Every part of the Bible bears witness in some way to the Lord Jesus Christ. For example, recall his words in the last chapter of Luke on the road to Emmaus, when he said, and begin and when it was said that beginning at Moses and all the prophets, Jesus expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So we have it from Jesus Christ himself that the Old Testament reveals to us Jesus Christ. And for that reason, we include the Old Testament. Our collet today has given a special tone to this day so that it is quite often called Bible Sunday not only in the Anglican communion, but throughout the Protestant world. The collet is based on the opening words of the epistle, Romans 15.4. Its petition that we may hear the scriptures recalls the days in 1549 when very few people could actually read. They had to, to hear. We still hear God's word in our services, But this must be added to our own private reading and study if the lessons read in church are to become meaningful to us. We must mark 
that is, give attention to, mark it, learn, that is, store it up in our memories, and inwardly digest it, that is, to make it part of ourselves. Thus, we, through the exhortation that comes from Scripture, shall have hope of everlasting life. Hope is is a characteristically Advent word. It is a happy, blessed hope. Happy because God has fulfilled his word by sending his Son into our world to save us as our Redeemer, and who will also bring about his final triumph over all the forces of evil in the world. Turning to our epistle, starting at Romans 15.4, is an excerpt from a warning and caution that St. Paul gives to the Roman Christians concerning the quarrels, the arguments between the Jewish Christians and the Gentile Christians. And this is about the observance of the Old Testament laws, not just the Ten Commandments, but also the 613 and counting rules and laws on eating and worship that were in the Old Testament. Some Jews had been offended by the way in which many of the young new Gentile converts had shown little regard for the Jewish law. In turn, these new Christian Gentiles had shown little toleration of those Jews who continued to observe them. Remember, of course, that Jesus himself was an observant Jew. The Apostle Paul directs them all to the study of the Scriptures to learn that in Christ both the Jew and the Gentile have the same hope. Though Christ came as a Jew, Jesus Christ was a minister of the circumcision to fulfill God's promises to his chosen people, the Jewish nation. Yet in fulfilling that promise, the destiny of Judaism to be a blessing was to become a blessing to all the nations of the earth and was also to be accomplished. Thus there should be a unity of one mind, joy and peace among the brethren, whether Jew or Gentile, through the Holy Spirit, which had been given to them all alike. In support of his argument, St. Paul quotes from three major divisions of the Old Testament, the Law, the Prophets, and the Psalms. Here, and Mark, in verse 9 he says, And that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy, as it is written, For this cause I will confess to thee among the Gentiles, and sing unto thy name. This is Psalm 18. The next verse, and again he says, Rejoice ye Gentiles with his people. Deuteronomy. Verse 11, and again praise the Lord, all ye Gentiles, and laud him all ye people. Psalm 117. And verse 12, and again, Isaiah says, there shall be a root of Jesse, and he that shall shall rise to reign over the Gentiles, in him shall the Gentiles trust. Isaiah 11, 1. In addition to this, not cited by St. Paul in our epistle, we have the words of the Old Testament lesson today, which we have heard, Isaiah 55, God's great invitation to both the remnant of Israel, what was left of Israel, and to the Gentile nations. What is this invitation? The promises of the covenant. Verse 1, Everyone that thirsts, come ye to the waters. 
Doesn't that remind us of what Christ says to the Samaritan woman at the well in John 4? But whosoever drinks of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water I shall give him shall be in him a well springing up into everlasting life. In verse 5 of Isaiah is the message to the Gentiles. Behold, thou Israel shall call a nation that thou knowest not, that is, the Gentiles' nation, that they knew not. And nations that knew thee not shall run unto thee because of the Lord thy God and for the Holy One of Israel, for he hath glorified thee. Now turning to our gospel reading in Luke, we turn to the second theme of Advent, as I said, the end, the end times. This passage is an excerpt from a long discourse of our Lord talking about the signs of the times and predicting the destruction of the temple and the fall of Jerusalem as a result of Israel's wickedness and their rejection of God's Son. This destruction would actually be carried out by the Romans 50 years later in 70 A.D. And this terrible calamity would be accompanied by the emergence of many false messiahs claiming, I am the one, with persecution, tribulation for the faithful, and suffering for the innocent. But at the last, there would be the glorious coming of the Son of Man. Jesus says that they shall see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Alice and I saw a pillar of fire yesterday on the freeway. It wasn't God. It was a car burning to the ground. But we will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. He encourages them, despite their worry, to look up, to look up to heaven. Lift up your heads, for your redemption draws near. So when to expect this, the signs of the sun and of the moon and of the stars? The parable at the end of this prophecy that Jesus says is a warning to his disciples about discerning the signs of the times. We can easily discern natural signs, such as the budding of a fig tree or the budding of flowers, that tell us that summer is coming. But we're less ready to discern supernatural signs of the judgment of God upon the sins of mankind in the wars, both martial and political, and the tumults and persecutions of Christians which afflict us not only in the third world, but here in the first world. At such times we are prone to be led astray by false prophets with quick remedies, rather than guided by our Lord's words of abiding truth. The vivid imagery of this picture of the final conflict between good and evil at the end of time was taken over by our Lord from then current apocalyptic literature. Easy for you to say. Apocalyptic literature, for example, the magnificent employment of it in the book of Revelation. As for us, as it says in our collet, we must hear, read, mark, and inwardly digest all holy scriptures written for our learning, that we, by patience and comfort of the holy word, may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life, which thou hast given us in our Savior, Jesus Christ. Now unto God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost, 
be ascribed all might, majesty, power, dominion, and glory, both now and evermore. Amen. Amen.